Good morning. Please pray with me. Lord God, we come to you today in faith to study your word. As we do so, let our guard fall a little bit so that we may better consider and understand you. And so, be better fed and able to bring you into our hearts and into the world. In your name we pray. Amen. So, my name is Zach Lefebvre. I'm one of the elders at New Hope. This is uh, the first in our series titled, uh, These Are a Few of Our Favorite Sings. First off, let me address the sweater. Uh, all those teaching as a part of the series have agreed to wear ugly Christmas sweaters. I sincerely hope that the others will follow through on their end of the bargain. And if they don't, let me be the first to say, well played. <laughs> so for this series, Jason asked us to pick a carol we like, tie it to some scripture, and find something to say. Sounded simple enough. As with many things, uh, the slow consideration of the subject for many weeks led me to some unforeseen places. But since this is the first part of the series, I'd like to begin with some thoughts on Christmas music in general. Christmas music may be the widest category in terms of quality. I mean, there's nothing that can affect you the way that the best Christmas music can, can fill you with hope and joy and calm. At the same time, truly, there is no worse music than bad Christmas music. It can fill you with frustration and shame for the human race. And then you have a lot of mediocrity in between. It seems everyone wants to get in on the magic, uh, as we can see from this video. So I printed the lyrics of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And would you, I know the lyrics. Would you do us the honors of spitting Rudolph say, the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Um, you know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Come on! Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw him, you would even say it close. Come on, come on! All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Come on! Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you ride my sleigh tonight? Then all the reindeers loved him, and they shouted out with glee. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. You go down to history forever. You go down to history forever. You go down to history. What? Go down to history forever. Doesn't that just fill you with the spirit? So it's funny to watch, but it also makes you wince a little bit at the thought of this representing Christmas. Even if we have to wade through some of this stuff. A benefit of this musical variety is that most well-known songs have been covered a hundred different times. It's easy to find a favorite song in just the style you like, whether it be joyful or somber, acoustic guitar or full orchestra, 
Most people have not just favorite songs, but favorite versions of favorite songs. This reflects the way we all approach the season to begin with. For whatever reason, we identify with that particular song, because it makes sense for the feelings we have at Christmas. Music creates such a powerful connection to emotion and memory, especially hearing the same songs over decades. When I think of Christmas carols, I think of this caroling party that a friend's family would throw every year. We would walk around the blocks of our neighborhood, caroling door to door for a couple hours. Then we'd all go back to their house where there'd be trays of cookies and eggnog and wassail waiting for us. One of the adults would come down the stairs dressed as Santa. People would eat and drink for hours and keep singing through the night, led by the piano in the living room. When it was time to leave, it was almost impossible to find your coat in the pile in the, the door to the right of the entryway. I think of these times every year when I hear familiar Christmas carols, and I'm grateful to have these memories. It can give your life a sense of continuity. But in choosing my carol to speak about today, I first spent a while trying to think of the most obscure indie Christmas song I could. Something that would speak to a quirky but important aspect of my Christmas mindset. I thought maybe something from Sufjan Stevens or Elizabeth Mitchell or Beta Radio. I thankfully abandoned this and not long after settled on O Come All Ye Faithful. And for a couple of reasons. It's a standard but meaningful song and yeah, it's fun to sing. I mean, who can resist joining in on the chorus? especially when it's being performed with energy and excitement. O Come All Ye Faithful was composed between 1740 and 1744 by John Francis Wade, a Roman Catholic living in Douai, France. A Deste Fidelis, as it's titled in Latin, has four original verses. Some others were added later, but I'm going to concentrate on the original four, which are verses 1, 2, 3, and 6 in your hymnal on page 234. So I started reading the lyrics and listening to as many versions of the song as I could find. A quick search found that I had seven versions on my iPod already. I found another three on old vinyl records. In this comparison of listening to them all, I quickly realized that none of the versions included the second verse. Not Christopher Williams, not the four aces, not even Magnet South, seem to want to bother with it. So let's open up the hymnal and read through. The first verse calls us to come be in the presence of this newborn king. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him born, the king of angels. The second stanza is often omitted, but it reminds us that the Christ child is very God himself. True God from true God, light from light eternal. Lo, he shuns not the virgin's womb. Son of the Father, begotten, not created. This seems like really important information to leave out of a song. You probably recognize the words. We say a very similar section each month in the Nicene Creed before we take communion. 
It reminds us that God came to earth, born as mortal flesh. Of course, this is an important and fundamental part of Christ and his purpose. And so I think it should be an important part of our Christmas mentality as well. So I'll continue with this point later. Uh, The next stanza pictures for us the song of the angelic choir heard by the lowly shepherds. It's calling even the angels to give glory, signifying that this mortal child is God placed above them. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exultation. Sing ye, uh, sing all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest. Then the final verse offers praise and glory to the word, our Lord, who was with the Father from the beginning of time. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. And finally, the chorus. Come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Essentially, the chorus is an invitation. Come, let us adore. So let's think about this word, adore. What does it mean to adore Christ, especially in the context of Christmas? In the context of what the rest of the song is saying about this baby. Begotten, not made. Born a king to angels. The word made flesh. How should we adore this being? We have a couple friends who have had babies in the past month. It's an absolute pleasure to meet them and to hold them, especially when they're sleeping. They're easy to adore. I mean, it's new life. It's precious, so you adore it. And it's easy to apply the same concept to the scene in the manger. We can take it as an invitation to adore the baby Jesus, as if we could sidle up to the manger and just spend an hour gazing. This is a great image, but we cannot actually do this. And I think it cheapens the meaning a little bit. The point is not that there was a baby Jesus, all cute and precious and worthy of adoration. The point is that God was born a man and for a purpose that comes later in the story. The point is that while we do not have a baby Jesus to go adore, we do have a living Savior to adore. Let's step back from this for a minute uh, in contrast with another popular Christmas song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. This is also a great song to sing along to, especially the live Springsteen version. But even though it's fun, it's an example of why we get confused at Christmas and send the wrong messages, especially to children. It includes the line, he knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Of course, this is all wrapped up in the Santa mythology of getting rewarded with presents for good behavior or lumps of coal for bad behavior. We hear this story at the same time of year, every year, that we hear stories about the birth of Christ. So it's easy to confound the two. Here's an example 
of some homework that my five-year-old daughter received from her Catholic school kindergarten this year. Maybe a little tough to see, but it shows a maze leading to heaven, filled with good and bad choices. It basically implies that if you make good choices, you get to heaven. My wife texted me this picture with the message, I'm trying not to have a problem with this. Now, I'm glad to have the idea of good choices reinforced in school. Wonderful. But I'm worried about teaching the idea that if you make a bad choice, you don't get to heaven. And God doesn't love you. And you have to wear the naughty sweater. And you get coal. To help align this all better, let's take a look at the scripture for today, which is Hebrews 4. Verses 12 to 16. Starting at verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the, he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows if you've been bad or good section. It says Christ sees through to the essence of you and can pick you apart. Everything is laid bare. But verses 14 through 16 continue to a different conclusion than, so be good, for goodness sake. Verse 14, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This says we should rejoice. We should be confident and hold firmly to our faith. We have a Savior who has been tempted the same ways. He knows because he has experienced. This is why we should sing the second verse. The second verse is important. Christmas is not to be celebrated because a baby was born. It's to be celebrated because God was born, begotten, not made. Fully God and fully man. And not just that he was born, but that he lived for a purpose that we do not deserve. The story of Santa is about what we deserve. God, thank God, is not. God gives grace. 
We just finished celebrating Thanksgiving, and many of us spend some little time considering the things for which we should be thankful. Jason led us through a wonderful time of thankful prayer last week as he stepped through Romans. I'm thankful for my family, a safe place to sleep, a good job that doesn't stress me out too much, that puts food on the table and gas in the car, and money in the offering plate. And while these things make daily life pretty good, they're really paltry things compared to the thankfulness I have for the Lord. And even if I did not have all those things, my thankfulness for the Lord should still remain. It should not depend on my rewards. As I get older, it's getting harder and harder to enjoy this season in a culture so focused on rewards. Ben Folds has a song about being fed up with the overindulgent, selfish culture of America called All You Can Eat, where he sings, God made us number one because he loves us the best. Why don't you go bless someone else for a while and give us a rest? It's just too much. The irony is that rest can be found in God if we adjust our perspective. So let's turn the chain around. It's not that I'm good, and so I get rewarded, and so I'm thankful to God. Being thankful to God is the starting point. And what follows from that starting point is our mindsets and our attitudes. And what follows from there are our behaviors. Some of these behaviors are going to be good. Some of them, guaranteed, are going to be bad. But all throughout, God loves us. What greater thing is there for which to be thankful? Not because we earned it, but exactly because we haven't earned it. This is what's worthy of adoration. Thankfulness and adoration go hand in hand. As you all get yourselves into the season and dig out the Christmas music and listen to some old favorites and experience the traditions and the emotions, just make sure it's taking you to a good place, a place where you're able to adore him. The song, O Come, All You Faithful, explains pretty well why we should be thankful and invites us to celebrate it. I can't think of a better way to start the season. Joe will lead us through all four original verses now. So let me officially invite you to the Christmas season here on the last day of November. As we come and adore the Lord, may we do so with confidence. Nothing is hidden from his sight, but still he shows mercy. May we hold firmly to our faith this Advent and keep an expectant hope.
So in closing, I will repeat the prayer for the first Sunday of Advent from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, may we rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.